You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Aging Starts Now podcast. I'm partner and attorney Chris Johnson. When love comes later in life or for the second time around, there are a number of items to consider, especially when it comes to veterans' benefits. Today, we're talking about how divorce, death, or remarriage can impact the veterans' benefits. Joining me for the discussion is one of our public benefits specialists at the firm, Josh Hunter. Welcome, Josh. Hi, Chris. All right. So we're going to get into these benefits and how remarriage and divorce and all these things, uh, it gets very convoluted. But I think the first thing we should talk about so people kind of know what realm we're speaking in is the benefits that we deal with most often are the non-service connected pension that has aid and attendance. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about those two benefits and how they work hand in hand? Uh, certainly. So the, the non-service connected pension, like it sounds, doesn't necessarily deal with an injury you got in the service or anything like that, but rather it balances your financial situation with medical necessity. And if you served during a wartime period and meet those requirements, you can potentially qualify for this monthly reimbursement program for your care needs. The aid and attendance side in particular requires that you need assistance with at least two activities of daily living, and the VA can help reimburse you up to a certain cap for your care expenses. So when you're looking at what does that actually mean for people, uh, you have to meet all the qualifications and check those boxes. You'll file an application with the VA, at which point, so long as you continue paying for care and continue to qualify, you get a monthly check from the VA. So on top of the financial stuff, and, and we've got some medical requirements in there, just does every veteran qualify for the non-service connected pension or are there certain rules from their military service that have to be met? Well, that's true, right? You need to be honorably discharged and you have to have served during a wartime period. So we're always trying to figure out when did the veteran serve. And you can find those, those war periods online. Uh, it's always a good trigger, but sadly, no, not, not everybody. Yeah, and I think that catches a lot of people off guard. The uh, if you have uh, <clears throat> if you're someone who served in kind of that in between period between mm-hmm. Korea and Vietnam, uh, between World War II and Korea, or you know after 1975, uh, a lot of people are surprised that they don't qualify. Or someone uh, who has a dishonorable discharge, obviously they're not going to be qualified for benefits. Uh, and even National Guard, Josh, that that sometimes surprises people too. We have people who've served a career in the National Guard, uh, but were never called up uh, for federal service. Right. They weren't active. You're exactly right. Yeah, that can catch you. My dad's one of those people who happened to get get caught in that, that interim period there. Yeah. And I, I tell people that when people ask me why that is, the goal is that these benefits are there for people who served during a wartime period. And, and you know, 
veteran service is veteran service. I hate to ever uh, be saying this service is more important than that service, but I do think that everyone recognizes that when you serve in a period of war, uh, there just is a little more on the line. And I think they've carved out uh, this benefit to make sure that those people are, are rewarded for that service. And that's, that's not a bad thing. So how much money a month uh, Josh, do these benefits get to a veteran or to a spouse? What kind of difference are we looking at? Well, that's that's the question that everybody likes to get the age-old answer of it depends. But starting with a, a single veteran, they could get up to 2050 a month if it's just the veteran by themselves. If the veteran's in a, in a married couple, right, that could be up to 2431. And if we're talking about a surviving spouse, you know, when the veterans passed away, then we're talking about up to thirteen, eighteen a month. Yep. And people, I get asked all the time, I, you know, where do they get these numbers from? And and I don't have the exact formula tables that they break down. But what I often tell people is, remember, if you're in a skilled nursing facility. There's a Medicaid program for that, and that's obviously in the state of Tennessee. It's administered by TinCare, California, I believe they call it Medi-Cal. And so, for those people that have truly catastrophic costs—six, seven, eight, nine thousand, ten thousand dollars a month uh, in care—there is a program for that. But for veterans who need a little bit of help, like you said, Josh, maybe help with two activities of daily living, and maybe they need some significant in-home caregiver help, or they need an assisted living facility. Assisted living facilities run $4,000, $4,500 a month. Exactly. And if they have $1,500 or $2,000 in Social Security and then maybe a, a small few hundred dollar pension, you can see right away getting an extra $2,000 a month. That's the difference between being able to stay in that assisted living facility and afford your care there and not worry about your future in not being able to. And there's a there's a resource limit, $138,000 right now. And so it's not like, you know, no one's getting wealthy on these benefits. It's to provide people care stability. Uh, and I think that's so vitally important. Yeah, well, I know we kind of describe it here in the office like a bridge, right? So when you're in that in-between stage of being completely independent versus needing nursing home level care, the VA benefit really shines at its brightest. That's, I think that I could not have said it better, Josh. So now let's talk, let's start to get in the tricky part. I think you've laid out a really good overview. And now here's where the simple starts to get difficult. <laughs> if someone gets divorced, Josh, what happens? Where are they? Are they still eligible? And I'm, I'm not talking about the veteran because the veteran will always be eligible. There is so long as they met the other criteria. But I'm talking about the spouse of the veteran. So they're divorced, and this whole time they they you know were married to a veteran, and now they're not. What happens? Well, we have a general rule, but we have two exceptions. So starting with the general rule, it's typically divorce is going to end the divorced spouse's rights to some of these benefits. Um, the two exceptions being if that individual got a divorce because there was abuse in the relationship, and that can be documented and proven, definitely has to have you know evidence and documentation, or if they were completely abandoned by the veteran themselves, which again, you need documentation for that. And we know that sometimes while these events occur, it doesn't always end up a matter of record. So that can be difficult. Uh, the general rule is that they're going to lose access to this unless they can show one of those two. Yep. And the uh, and people always talk about 
you know, the documentation. And what I always tell people is it's tough. The The better documentation you have, you know, if the divorce decree uh, notes that there was domestic abuse, that's great. If it's you're arguing for abandonment and the divorce was basically granted to you in absentia, which means the other party never responded and the, and the court just granted it to you, obviously that's good evidence. However, even if the only evidence you have is a personal statement, an aff- a sworn statement, an affidavit, submit that. You, I mean, if it's all you have, it's all you have. If you have someone who witnessed the abuse or, or was a witness to the abandonment, and some people be like, well, the only people who knew were my family members. They're not going to take a statement from my family members. Yes, they are. They yep. absolutely you send them. That's right. Yeah. They were, they're going to review what you send them. And so you gotta, you know, if you don't send them anything, then don't be surprised if it gets denied. Um, so yeah, I think hitting it though, the rule of thumb is the divorce does tend to sever those benefits. Now, what if someone's widowed? So let's go in the other direction. So someone, their, their spouse passes away. Uh, are they going to still be eligible for benefits? Well, it depends on which party we're talking about, but you already hit the biggest rule first, right? The the veteran themselves are always going to retain the right to their benefit. That's right. Uh, if, if you're widowed, you know, we talked about the surviving spouse pension rate already. So they're still going to be, you know, eligible for their benefits. What if my uh, spouse passed away and they were a veteran and they were 100% service connected? Ah, What's that now we're talking about DIC or there we go. dependency and indemnity compensation. This is a little bit of a different benefit. And what this allows for is, is the VA to essentially pay when somebody has passed away from a condition that was service connected or there related to their service. Um, probably the biggest benefit to, to this particular benefit over the pension is that it's not means tested. So if you qualify, it doesn't necessarily matter what your situation is, you get it. Yep. So that can be a, a great boon and is uh, fewer hoops to jump through so long as you have everything in place. And I'll always tell people that, you know, the non-service connected pension and then there's the survivor's pension. And that makes sense because they're both pension and you kind of you hear, OK, well, this was the veteran's pension. And then if the veteran passes away. If the survivor has the unreimbursed medical expenses, they can receive the survivor's pension. I think about DIC it's like the survivor's version of service-connected compensation. So when a veteran is has a disability rating, we hear that phrase all the time, what's your disability rating, 20%, 40%, 70%. Uh, they have that because they were injured, unlike the non-service-connected pension. They Their injury or their malady is traceable. It has a nexus back to their military service. Exactly. And if they pass away from that, or if they pass away at a 100% service-connected, this DIC, this is basically the surviving spouse's version of that compensation. Uh, So talking about that, is the application any different? If a surviving spouse wants to apply for DIC, how do they do that? Well, just to be honest, it's easier, right? It's still forms you send in, but there's fewer hoops to jump through where you don't have to explain your financial circumstance or anything to that degree. So long as you can connect it back to your service member's record, right, the veteran's record, you should have an easier time claiming this. So application is similar. Fill out the form, send it in, wait for the VA to respond. But uh, usually a little bit easier for everybody to get going. Now, so what happens to a surviving spouse 
who is on DIC if they remarry? Oh, that's the hard question. And, and honestly, it all comes down to timing. So here in recent years, they've relaxed the rules a little bit to where you used to would just lose your DIC benefit. Now, so long as you're over the age of 55, you could retain that DIC benefit. So we see couples who are strategically waiting to get married maybe a, a year or two longer than they had anticipated just to retain this benefit. There's, there's no need to lose it if you can wait. Yeah, and, and that's one of the one of the big goals is that you want to make sure that getting married, you know, now getting I think getting a divorce is a little different because most people are getting divorced because there's some type of necessity. And you want to, you know, you don't want to let artificial things guide that. If someone doesn't need to be married anymore, they don't need to be married. But if you're thinking about getting into nuptials, understanding how that impacts all of the rest of your life matters. And it goes beyond the VA realm. People don't realize that there's a duty to support. And so sometimes uh, you'll have a couple where one has significant assets and one doesn't have very many. And then they're surprised the one that didn't have very many assets gets sick. And though even though they might have a prenuptial agreement, and they say, well, I'm not responsible for this. Under the law, yeah, you are. And the, it's a uh, lot with to veterans, consider with remarriage. It right. really is. It's a lot to consider. And then if you're on veterans benefits or the potential for veterans benefits, you don't want to take actions, especially when, like you said, if you, if you are a little bit strategic uh, and wise in the way you are proceeding with things, um, you may not want to remarry until a certain point uh, to make sure you're able to preserve benefits or preserve your ability or eligibility in the future for those benefits. And so reaching out to someone who's accredited, someone who knows what they're talking about and getting them to go through the rules, because especially in the divorce uh, in the uh, widow slash remarriage realm, it gets very convoluted very quickly. Uh, and you need that navigator to help you do that. Right. And you know, that happens to tie into another related topic. If we're talking about that 55 remarriage you know, benchmark, that ties into TRICARE and CHAMP VA benefits, right? Oh, tell us about that. Yeah. So if somebody's using the VA for health care, and let's say the veteran were to pass away, you know, as somebody who was widowed, you can continue to use those benefits. And that's great. But if you happen to get remarried before 55, much like that DIC benefit, you could lose it. And that can make a major difference for people. Um, again, another one of those factors to weigh before you remarry. Yeah, a absolutely. Well, and that's your health care coverage. And when you think about how expensive health care is these days, you really have to think about that stuff ahead of time. You just can't go, well, I'm sure it'll all work out. You need to talk some to talk to someone who understands these rules and can adequately explain them to you so that you don't run into an unforeseen problem down the road because that could mean a $10,000, $12,000, or $15,000 line item of health care that you expected to have that that's what's going to be your premiums if you're not careful. Exactly. Something that could have been covered had you known this going into it and, and provided a little bit of planning for those steps. Yep, I think I think that nails it. Uh, so, is there anything else you want to cover, Josh? I think that's good for today. I know we'll be talking more again in the future. 
We absolutely will. Well, that's going to be it. Josh, thank you for joining us. Thank everyone out there for listening. That's going to be it for today's episode. Takis McGinnis is a life care planning law firm that helps families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Takeus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 